So today's daf is Chavkimo. We pick up in the middle of Chavkarim's bat, and we are in, um, let's take a look. Shimon HaTemani Omer Af Al Hadefer. So it's about ten lines down in the, um, in the wide line. So we dealt with the issue about things that you do even on Shabbat, Matri'in, you sound the alarm. I saw some, but that's, um, or you do the special tifilot. And we saw the interesting position of Rabbi Yossi that said better pay attention to the practical concerns and calling people for help rather than these tifilot. And that interestingly might have also tied into the question about whether you can, an individual can fast. Um, the issue of the individual fasting, again, as I said yesterday, prop makes most sense that it should have been a question on Shabbat, but again, whatever it is that Yossi is saying, let's not worry about fasting, let's worry about taking care of where the real needs lie. Um, okay, then we go on to the next line in the Mishnah, which is Shimon HaTemani. So again, to remind us what Shimon HaTemani said in the Mishnah is, um, excuse me, no, that was from the end of the Brayta, where we had, uh, where was it? Um, <laughs> A minute. Omer um, Af Al Hadever. Oh yes, I'm sorry. It wasn't the Mishnah. So the Mishnah had the list of the things that you can do, that you sound the alarm or that you do the prayers on Shabbat, even on Shabbat, and those are things that were seen as like urgent and imminent. And Shimon Atzimani said, even on the pestilence, for Lohodu Lochachamim. So the Gemara says the following: Ibayluhu Lohodu Lochachamim b'Shabbat, which is the context. So on Shabbos, you know, Dever is not seen again. I don't know, uh, you know, Dever to me, if it's some type of a form of uh, a viral disease or bacterial disease, plague, pestilence, and so on, it would seem that it is pretty much as imminent as these other things. But okay, maybe they didn't feel that way. Maybe it was something else. And they're talking. Therefore, we're talking that you don't do it on Shabbat. But on a weekday, of course, you know, we had all the stories before about how they saw, you know, Dever in one place, and they made even, you know, and they made even a ta'anit um, in a different place because of, you know, how it would tra- travel with the caravans and so on. So, of course, in a weekday is something to make a ta'anit and to make special tifilot. Um, or maybe the, this is a position that, in general, we don't see it as being an area of concern, which would be pretty funny. Um, so, Tashma, coming here, you do the, you are matri'in, again, you do the special tefillot on Dever on Shabbat, and it goes without saying in the weekday. This Reb Hanan ben Pitam says, um, in the name of Rebbe Akiva, you never do the tru'ah on the Dever, so I really do not understand what this logic would be, um, but uh, there is that position that you don't do it at all, and the Gemara somehow assuming that that presumably is, Reb Shim, is Shimon HaTemani because, uh, presumably that's the Chachamim who argue on Shimon HaTemani again a very strange position no explanation for it against the earlier Gemara that we saw that Dever was one of those traveling things so even if you don't do it in the whole world you certainly do it in nearby places or places that there's travel between um, so, but anyway so but here seemingly putting out a position you don't do it on Dever at all alright then the mission continues and says and any bad thing that, you know, God forbid should not happen, that's uh, like a sort of a euphemistic statement. It could be read on anything that's about to happen and we're trying to prevent it from happening, but it could, but it could, by context it really means on any bad things and then like poo 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 in parentheses, God forbid it shouldn't happen, we make a, you know, we, um, you know, we make a, uh, we are matri'in, we do these, uh, uh, we do these special tifilot, 
except the Mishnah said, except from too much rain. And that then allowed for the transition into the story of Choni HaMeagel, which is the story of too much rain. And basically, as we get to the next daf, Choni HaMeagel's stories, multiple stories of Choni HaMeagel, is really going to be the entire daf today. Okay, so let's take a look. Tan Rabbanan, a rabbi's taught. A cold story shall tumble out seaboard, and any bad thing that Khashalam shouldn't happen, Machina Leha, you would uh, again it means it either mean blast to sound the alarm or a special tifilot. Chutzmiro Gishamin, except for too much rain. You never complain you don't have to complain for too much good, even if the too much good is working is, is not working out for you right now. My time, what's the reason? I'm Rabbi Yochanan, and Lutishain Mitfali Morovatova. Okay, which is a little bit of a tautology. You don't pray, you don't, because you don't pray, you know, pray for not, not having too much good. Uh, but making it more general point, it's not specific terrain. Presumably, the point being that even though right now, you know, too much of it is not a good thing, there's something that is seen as a little, as a little, um, you know, um, 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 of a certain amount of either like ingratitude or um, you, you know in the fact that this thing is fun well you know let's see how that develops what exactly is the problem about Mipalimal Rov Tova so if I'm a Rabbi Yochan I mean I came Mipalimal Rov Tova where do you get this idea that you don't pray for too much of a good thing Shana'emar the verse says V'hivir et kol ha'maser obey ta'otzah bring all of your tithes to the uh, to the uh, treasure house to the to, to, to the to the, um, to the storehouse and it says V'hivir um, et I will open up for you the warehouses of heaven or the, uh, the, the skylights of heaven you know to pour down rain or to pour down grain until there's not enough or without sufficient so what does it mean my so Amarami Barav Yud some have say his name was actually Yud said Rami the son of Rav Yud or son of Rav until your lips get weary of saying enough 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 so there's so much that you'll grow weary of saying, like, stop, stop, it's enough already. Now, i got to tell you, I don't understand how that's a proof. If you're saying enough, 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 then you're saying, stop. You're asking God, it's enough. I don't want any more. <laughs> but, um, but maybe there's a difference between saying it's enough and saying, please stop it. So you keep on saying enough, but God keeps on doing, doing the good thing. And, um, but again, not exactly clear what this is, what, what this is proving, because it seems like you, you're, you are saying enough. <laughs> I'm a Rami Bar Rav Yud. Anybody who has any insight, happy to hear it. Says Rami Bar Rav Yud, Ubagola. Now this contrast will help us maybe a little bit understand some of what the problem is. In exile, meaning in Bavel, where we've learned before that Bavel uh, had very much less need of rain, had a lot of wetlands. So in Bavel, then actually you would um, sound the, um, you know, do the special prayers, pray against, you know, if it was raining too much. Tanya na mihachi, we talked similarly, Shana Shikisha Mehem Merubim, a year that it has, is very rainy, uh, has a lot of rain, Anshay Mishmar Shochim, Anshay Ma'amad, the people of the Mishmar, the Kohanim, sent to the peoples of the Ma'amad, which were the representatives of the Jewish people, um, you know, when the Korbanot were being brought, um, and uh, from Israel, not from the Kohanim, and they were supposed to be obviously also thinking, and pr- they had special prayers, and they were supposed to, again, re- be representing the Jewish people, so thinking about the welfare of the larger Jewish people in their prayers, so they would send to them, to you know, give your eyes, which like, or like, give thought to, presumably in your prayers, your brethren in the Gola, in the exile, um, people will note that phrase that we say in the Tzilot and Yom Kippur by the end of the prayers of the Kohen Gadol. But it's raining so much that their houses could flood. 
So you should pray that their houses shouldn't flood. So therefore, it could be a real danger. Okay? So the question is, why is it allowed to pray for this in Gola and not a pray to, allowed to pray in Eretz Yisrael? So one issue could just be that it's a greater danger. It's such a danger, you know. Okay, Eretz Yisrael, uh, too much rain isn't a great thing, but it's not a huge danger, and generally it's something that you very much want. And when there's a, that degree of a danger, that overrides other types of concerns. Um, you know, but it could also be that the flip side of it is not just the degree of danger, but how much during the normal year is this seen as something that is like such a, you know, you know, such a, so necessary, so direly necessary, because, you know, there's some type, and this in a way is like the Choni story. Uh, to me, it seems that some of the problem the Gemara is grappling with is like, okay, last year there was a lot of rain and you complained, and now you're just saying, oh my God, we need rain, we need rain, we need rain, you know, even though obviously there's a logic that sometimes things you need, you know, the right amount, not too much and not too little, but it somewhat maybe a little bit undercuts this, the dire sense of the request if in the past you've also been asking or there was a time when you said actually no there's too much we don't want it so in Gola where there's never a dire need of rain there's not so much of a problem to say like if it's too much or if it's too little because you know sort of the, 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 the great urgency and the dire sort of uh, um, sort of need for it in Eretz Yisrael doesn't allow you at any other time to say it's too much to ever say it's too much of it would sort of undermine how, uh, how critical it is all the other times. To me, I have a sense that's what's going on in the Gemara about Amy's Palimo Rov Tova. But again, I'm open for other thoughts because the Gemara does not really sort of, you know, explicate this. Um, again, Rabbi Yochanan makes it a more general statement. He doesn't make it just about rain. He says, like, you don't, you don't ever pray against too much good of anything, you know. So anything that's like too much of it, you know, you don't pray, you don't, you don't pray about. And again, it's interesting because sometimes, you know, the quantity, there is a problem with too much. So, I don't know. Um, so, Rabbi Eliezer, they asked Rabbi Eliezer, Heichem Gishamim Yardim, to when, um, these palulu. And again, this really will drive the full story home. Shalom Yerdu. So he says, okay, let's not talk about Bavel. Let's talk about Eretz Yisrael. At what stage is it really raining too much that it would be appropriate to say, God, please don't give us any more rain? So Amr Lehem, he said to them, Kedeshi Amor Adam Bekeren Afel. A person should stand on this rock called Karen Afel, the dark corner. But it's a specific rock that we're going to see is extremely high up. The Yashach Sheikh Rag And the water should have risen to such a high level that he could like uh, dip his toes in the water. So basically you've got this outcropping, which is, I don't know, a hundred feet off the ground. And it has to be that the water, that rains so much is that the water reaches his feet. Which basically means you, you would need like a hundred feet of water before you would say it. Which means never. You never pray for too much rain. So, Vatanya, we turn to Braisa, Yadav, Ragla, Yadav, so, like, as if this makes a difference here, yeah, until he sticks his hand in the water, not his feet in the water. Yadav, so the man says, Ragla, Ki, Yadav, Kamina. Okay, his feet like his hands, which, whatever that means, his feet and his hands, his feet to the same way, he would do his hands, doesn't matter anyway, it's the basic point is, you know, it would, you would never do it. I'm a rabbi, Barbara Khan, Lididi Khajili, Karen Afel, I saw this outcropping, gamla, and that um, presumably it means somebody. I was standing on the sad cropping, and I saw a certain uh, nomad who was uh, or Arab who was riding with a uh, you know a camel. Um, and he had a spear in his hand, so he's very high, right? He's on a camel holding up a spear, and mitzchazi iniva, and he looked like a little ant. So this is so high up that I was able to look down and see somebody below, even on top of a camel with a spear, and it looked like he looked like a tiny ant. So there's a very high outcropping. Okay? So again, it's very strange. Like, you know, even if literally in Israel it was flooding, there was 
hot, you know, feet and feet and feet of rain, you know, um, you, would never, you still would not be nitzpalel because rain is intrinsically a good thing. So again, I'm not, I'm a little, I'm a little struggling with the logic behind this. Other than, as I said, the point that since most of the most years, it's something that is that there's a real scarcity of and there's a very dire need. You know, you don't want to be seen as like a kafui tova, like you're saying, oh well, there's too much of this. Yeah, that's the way you feel. Then why should you be getting the you know other times as well? But again, more than that, I I'm, str- I'm trying to sort of you know find a good explanation for this. Okay, Tanu Rabbanan, a rabbi's taught. I will give, you know, I will give the rains in their right time. So what's the itam? So this is quite interesting if you compare this to what we just said. Lo shechura, not literally drunk, meaning not too much rain. Lo tzmea, not thirsty, not too little. Ela benonit, a medium amount of rain. Because if there's too much rain, it's like, you know, it, it ruins the land. You know, things get muddy and, and, and it won't help for the crops too much either. So here you basically have a brighter that explicitly says that that promise of is explicitly pointing out that you need the right ma- amount, not too much and not too little. So again, holding that up in contrast to the point but we don't pray if they're against, you know, to, stop, to withhold too much. Is, uh, is quite interesting. Okay, the Enum would see a Peirot, and when the ground is like flooded and muddy, it will not grow fruit. So another meaning. So that Be'itam did not really mean their time. That really meant the right amount. Now we're going to deal with the issue of their time. And this is uh, one explanation that a lot of people know because Rashi says it on the Chumash. Shabbatot. On Tuesday night, meaning the night before Wednesday, Shabbat, and Friday night. Because people don't leave their houses. People don't leave their houses Friday nights because, you know, often during the week, you'd be out in the field working till it grew dark and then you'd come home when it was already dark. Right? So you'd be traveling like in the night. You'd be getting home from work. But on Shabbos, you're already home. You've got to get home before it gets dark. So on Shabbos, when it's dark, you're already at home and eating your meal. And on Wednesday, on Tuesday night, there was a belief that there was a certain type of a, like, uh, evil spirit that would cause, uh, you know, uh, illness um, if you would go, uh, that would travel out at night on Tuesday nights, on the night leading into Wednesday. So people tended not to travel on Tuesday nights. So people were at home, and that was a perfect time. Okay? So now, you know, again, I, I have to say that this is funny, because that seems to be like, okay, it's a bracha, so a bracha could be like over the top, but it seems to be like, you know, like, it's enough that there's enough rain and there's the rain at the right time, the rain that I needed. It doesn't have to exactly correspond to the fact that I'm not going to get wet when I go outside. You know, now I feel that whenever we complain, like, oh, I'm getting so wet in the rain, you know, we're being very pampered Americans. Like, you know, we're not even, we don't even appreciate how necessary the rain is. All we care about is that we don't get wet. You know, so it's a little bit funny that that's sort of the point that's being made here. On the one hand, okay, it's a bracha. Bracha could be even, like, over the top. But again, talking about the idea of not, you know, not being a mitpalel for things, you know, even for Rov Tova, I think it's a little bit inter- it's interesting um, this type of a concern okay Shekin Matsinu now the Brighter goes on and saying don't think that if it only rains you know two nights a week that'll be you'll be concerned that that won't be sufficient or don't think that that's not rain of bracha Shekin Matsinu being Shimon ben Shetach we found in the days of Shimon ben Shetach and that it fell on uh, Tuesday nights and Friday nights 
chayot until the until the wheat grain the grains of wheat were like kidneys they were that big usarim kigar zetim and barley um, you know and the bar, and the barley uh, grains were as big as the uh, as the stones of uh, olives the adashim and the lentils kidinare zahav were as big as gold dinare. So they were huge, the crops grew at a huge amount. So Rashi says is coming to try to tell you that even raining two nights a week is enough. Based on what we've seen so far, it didn't seem to me like you could expect two nights, like, like two nights a week would be a lot in terms of, in terms of frequency. It seems more that the point is that when it rains, specifically at this time, that is a siman bracha. And remember, this goes back to our theme from the very beginning of the Masechet. Not just the need of rain, but rain as a symbol or as a manifestation of, you know, God's relationship with the people. So if it's raining on Tuesday night and Friday night, it's a Siman Bracha, and I'll prove it to you, because that's exactly what happened in the time of Shimon ben Shetach, and look how much it blessed the crops, and look how much this was truly a Bracha from God. Okay, but Saru Mehem Dugmalu Dorot, they bound up sort of like the thing looks like the man. They bound up... This um, or they, they carved maybe um, Rashi says they bound up carved would be Vitsaru probably Vitsaru anyway they, they bound this up as a as a um, you know a, 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 um, as a um, model for future generations Rodia Kama Hachet Goren to know that in other years the reason things don't grow this much is because of the sin look when you're everybody is righteous and doing the right thing look how blessed you could be look how big these uh, you know these things grew sort of like the Miraglim coming back okay but that wasn't uh, you know a different context, but the idea here of you know of look of this is held up for future generations. So Namar, as the verse says, it's your sins that have caused these things to go away. The earlier pasuk in Yirmiyahu talks about God bringing the rain in all of its right time, so it's very much in the context of rain. And your sins held back the good. And we found similarly in the time of Hordis, who himself wasn't a big tzaddik, but at least he was rebuilding the base of Mikdash. Shall you oskim bevinim base of Mikdash, and everybody else was building the base of Mikdash. The hayu yordim geshamim belayla, and the rain would come down at night when people were at home. The machar nashva haruach v'nit pazur ha'avim, and the next morning the wind would come, the clouds would scatter. It would be a gorgeous day the next morning after a heavy rain. The zarchah kama, the sun would shine v'yatsu amli machdan, and everybody would go out and be perfect, nice and sunny when you wake up and cool and no humidity, and all the rain comes at night. The yard and you know the and and especially if your work is building the base of Mikdash, the Yadu Shemaleches Shemaim Bideham, they knew that it was that the you know the the the, the labor of God was in their hands. That what they were doing was you know was was, was godly work, and because the whole you know the whole uh, um, uh, weather, the whole environment reflected the you know you know the. Uh, the, the, the righteousness and, um, of, of what they were doing. So, clearly here what we're moving back to is not just like, okay, it's convenient, but the fact that God is going out of, out of the way, you know, to make it so convenient is, again, this, the importance of this siman bracha, of this way in which God shows. And then, again, that's, that's reflected, you know, in the fact that it's beautifully sunny the next day, or it's reflected in the fact that you have all these, you, you know, the huge produce that come out. But, again, the significance being about, about again, this issue of the siman Bracha versus the Siman Kala. You want to say something, David? Yeah. Rain at night affects large scale construction projects, I can tell you from the Ah, okay. So it's not just an issue of convenience. Okay. Oh, you're saying it's the opposite. That if you're trying to do the construction at night so that it doesn't. No, the opposite. When you get there in the morning and your place is flooded, it's not so good. So these guys weren't building. Okay, fine. The second thing, <laughs> your, your comment uh, yes. about um, we Americans today on July 4th. 
Yes, um, exactly. Happy birthday. Yes. One is about efficacy of prayer and saying when you do certain things right. to impact the nature of the rain. And the second is about communal leadership. Mm-hmm. And maybe these comments about not calling out and uh, complaining, right. or praying for the stopping of too much rain, right. is really not about um, the need for prayer in that circumstance, but the impact on the community that, if, if, as, you, as you've said continually, mm-hmm. that there is a tenuous nature of the, of the water cycle in Eretz Yisrael. Mm-hmm. We have to see ourselves as vulnerable and dependent upon God. Mm-hmm. But if you were to say to the community, come forward, and when there's too much rain, you should cry out to God and ask him to stop it. Right. It's more like um, we, have, uh, we have some ability to, uh, to dial it up and dial it down. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, the, the, the public perception that you're trying to encourage here, or the rabbis are trying to encourage here, is one of dependence on God. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe interesting. Two different interesting. Okay, thank you. It's an interesting thought. Where I also thought you were going with it is that if you want to look at the rain as like God's ratzon, because God is bringing down the rain, if it, so if you want to have the rain to have its sort of symbolic power, then when you start complaining about too much, it also undermines the, the, the just the you know the, the symbolism of the rain. Right, because if you sort of relate to rain, absence of rain means God isn't connected to us. Presence of rain means God is bringing down God's blessing, and then you actually start play, praying. You know, it shouldn't rain so much. So while in practical terms it's not helpful right now, but it also undermines the symbolism of the rain. It's one of the various reminiscent of Benjamin Yeah, about the complaining about telling Moshe, you know. You get over there. It's, it's, we don't want this. <laughs> right, something like that. Exactly. So I do think that you know that that's so that maybe Dafka does help explain you know this uh, also this connection here because here it is a bit, little bit more fine tuned. Right here the point is is that the symbol of the bracha is not just the presence of the rain but like exactly the way the rain is falling. Okay, so now we go. Finally, we transition to what, at least in my mind, has been a dominant um, sort of image throughout this parak. But now we actually ex- finally turning to it, which is the Choni Hamagel. So let's take a look. So the whole story was Choni Hamagel, which was too much rain. But of course, their Choni did complain for too much rain. So it's interesting that the halacha then becomes against that and always the question is how much are the rabbis embracing or rejecting Choni I will also have you note and put in your file away that it's Shimon ben Shetach which we said was so, was so perfect the way it was raining exactly the right time and so on Shimon ben Shetach is going to come up again here so let's and we're going to see that the story of Choni Amadiel came during the time of Shimon ben Shetach where we read just a minute ago that Bimei Shimon ben Shetach it sounds like there was an ongoing thing in Shimon ben Shetach's time about how perfect everything was was in terms of their deeds and in terms of the rain. So let's take a look. What was Shimon ben Shetach's connection to the development of the liturgy? I, I wasn't he connected to... Was that Shimon ben Shetach? I don't remember that that was Shimon ben Shetach. You can check that. Tanar one time, most of Adar had already go, had already gone out. It was the end, the second half of Adar. Um, below Yarduga Shamim, it still hadn't rained. One wonder, I mean, it's getting pretty dire, right? Because normally it's supposed to rain, you know, Cheshvand, Kislev, Tevet. I mean, we're really talking about like one's beginning to wonder how good the rain is even going to do at this point. Once it gets Nisa, and we say it doesn't do any good. Um, they sent to Choni the circle drawer he paluvi yarduga shamin pray and the rain should come down he paluvi yarduga shamin he prayed it didn't work 
Aguga, so okay, so that wasn't working. Simple prayer, so he had to get into something more drastic. He made a circle, Vamad Betochan, stood in the middle. like Chabakuk did. Al-Moda, I will stand by my watch, the Yatzva al-Matsur, I will stand by the Matsur, the, um, um, the, 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 literally means like the tower, but here it's probably a play on the word of Tsura, of making an, an image, like to stand on the things that I have drawn. Amar lefanav, and, and now back to Choni. Choni said to God, Master of the universe, they, they've turned towards me. I am like a member of your household. I take an oath in your great name. I will not move from here until you have compassion on your children. So basically, it's, he's now gone from prayer and request to essentially like uh, ultimatum and threat. So the rain started like dripping. So Amulot Tamidav, his student said to him, Rebbe, our master, namut. Now that's a very strange phrase, what that means. We have seen you and we won't die. What does that mean? So Rashi says it means, like, we are looking to you that we should not die. We are looking to you to save us with your prayers. But I'll go back to that in a minute. Let's read it like that for now. What? We need more rain. We are looking to you to save us, to, that we shouldn't die. And now here's the next line. And it appears to us that it's not being effective, that God is only causing it to rain in order to, uh, you know, to, to, to deal with your ultimatum. But He's not really and giving you the rain that we need. So Omar, so Choni presumably turned back to God and said, that wasn't what I asked for. Rain to fill the wells. They came down in like anger, like, you know, torrents. Every drop of rain would be enough to fill the opening of a barrel. And there was no drop of rain that they, they estimated that was less than the size of a log, which is about 12 ounces. So those are pretty big drops of rain. The student said to him, Rabbi, our master, again, we have seen you and uh, that we should not die. It seems now that the rain is coming to destroy the world. He said, so Choni went back and said to God, That wasn't what I asked for. Rain of, uh, of blessing, of kindness, of goodness. They came down in the right way. But then they didn't stop. They kept on coming and coming and coming. Until the whole, everybody had to go to the Temple Mount to escape the flooding. Amrulo, they said to him, Rabbi, now it's quite interesting that the students are, are always the ones that have to be reporting these issues, right? So, is it because in the first place it says that it didn't rain and then he made the circle. He was able to judge whether his prayer was effective or not. So, you know, what, why wasn't he making the judgment here? Was it that he felt, okay, I did my job, it's raining, and, but, and his students had to push him back? Or maybe, since he's not, like, he's stepping out of the circle, you know, it also means, like, even if you're in a circle, if you're not indoors, we, we imagine he was outdoors, whatever, we imagine you could still tell it's torrents, it's drips, why the students have to report it, but it could also be trying to suggest, you know, people try to figure out what exactly is going on here with this circle. Was there some idea of magic going on or some concern about that? You know, maybe was he like oblivious in that circle in some psychological way, you know, or, or you know, or just, you know, in some type of a trance that he was oblivious to what was going on around him? Um, what? Completely responding. Exactly. So that's an excellent point. Right? It always starts by responding to requests. Rebalance the idea you're having about his arrogance. You know, I mean, in the sense of like, 
Right. Right, right. The one thing, though, he does respond to is, as soon as it did not rain, if he says, So he responded going from prayer, didn't work, now he realizes it's not a problem and he drew the circle. Once he's in the circle, constantly he's responding to what people are saying to him. Um, so, okay. The same way you pray that they should come, pray that they should go away. So here's the issue of Rov Tovah. The rain itself is a beautiful rain. It's just too much of it. Right? So, Amalahem, he said to them, So, ah, so here he now quotes halacha, or whatever, halacha, something about prayer. Um, you know, no, you don't pray for too much goodness. Nevertheless, bring me a cow of thanksgiving, presumably like a shlamim. It's the time of the base of Mikdash, and he does happen to be on her bias. They brought him a cow of thanksgiving, um, a bull, thank you, a bull. He put his two hands on it, and said to God, So notice, by the way, I think it's significant that it's hoda'ah. Right? You don't complain about too much goodness. So you start by saying thank you is essentially what you're saying. He was complaining before, but at least now he's saying thank you. So he said, They can't deal with too much good or too much bad. Too much bad is obvious. By the way, that's what you say, the the writer in... um, in Yivamot says that you say to the prospective convert, Yisrael So it's an interesting just parallel there. But anyway, notice that Chodi is not saying that what you have given us is not good. You know, okay, God, what you've given us right now at least is all good. But unfortunately, the people don't know how to handle all of this goodness. When you were angry and you didn't give them the rain, they weren't able to just take the, you know, take the punishment. They had to come to me and ask for it to be reversed. That's an interesting idea, right? They should just accept their punishment and deal with it. You have, you know, overflowed goodness to them. They cannot, they cannot deal with it. So, 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 you know, he's not sort of, once he acknowledges and does the parahu da'an, that it is all good that we're getting from you, God, but unfortunately the people can't deal with it, then he's able to request, you know, it would, may it be thy will, not like he's demanding no will, not like, you must do this. Right? You know, God, may you find it appropriate that, uh, that it stops so that people can get back to normal. And maybe that also, by the way, is the important shift here, not just in this lesson of, lo, of Rov Tovah, which he is sort of, you know, being a model for, not complaining about Rov Tovah, but maybe there's a lesson here of Choni learning how to make the right type of a request. Right? He goes from saying, God, that's not what I asked for, to saying, God, you should find it appropriate to do the following thing. Okay, so there's, that, and that's the sort of the moment that everything goes back. Um, so, the wind blew, the, the clouds scattered, the the sun shone forth, they went out to the field, and they were able to bring all, bring all these wonderful fungi and uh, mushrooms that came from all the rain, and, it was, and, and everything was wonderful. Now, obviously, it's interesting to compare this story to the story in the Mishnah, because in the story of the Mishnah, he didn't bring this cow, this ox, he did not, uh, you know, he did not say, he did not have this 
significant transition. In the mission, what just happened was, um, after it was getting to be too much, he says, um, um, so they said to him, prayed that they would go, and he said, He was unresponsive to them. He just said, I've had enough. You know, go and uh, see if the rock that you make announcements from has, uh, has completely dissolved, and, you know, and otherwise don't bother me. So, you know, there in the Mishnah, he was unresponsive, which also could model Amy Palimo Rov Tova. He was refusing to pray about it. But here he's responsive, and not only is he responsive and helps bring a satisfactory conclusion, but he also shifts his way of talking to God, which I think is very significant. Um, okay, and I do want to, again, reiterate that I think that the point here about Amy Palimo Rov Tova is because, you know, of the symbolism. The reality is that too much rain could be destructive. But if you see the symbolism, as God's goodness, right? And that has the symbolic weight. Rain means God is giving us his goodness. God is bringing down the goodness to the, to the world. Then to say we don't want it, even if practically it is hurting us, is saying we don't want, you know, this God's goodness. So there's, I think a lot of this has to do, you know, so I think there's a lot about this has to do with, again, not just the practical impact, but the symbolic significance of it. Okay, so, Shalach lo Shimon ben Shetach. Now, Shimon ben Shetach sent him. So here's Shimon ben Shetach. So remember, all of this was happening at a time when the Gemara earlier reported that it will always rain perfectly. So anyway, Shimon ben Shetach sent him if it were not that you were I would decree upon you uh, excommunication um, he says imagine the following you made a shrua that you're not moving until God brings rain let's say we happen to be living in the years of Eliyahu and remember what happened by Eliyahu Eliyahu said it's not going to rain unless I say so so imagine you and Eliyahu were living at the same time you had made an oath that God you're not going to move until God brings the rain and Eliyahu said that God is not going to bring the rain. And he made a note that God won't bring the rain. So what's going to happen? Where were we? You're causing God's name to be, to be desecrated because either your shul will be violated or the other shul will be violated. You can't basically bind God, you know. Of course, uh, the other, but the, the, the subtext is that Elio did the exact same thing in the opposite direction, right? So, but somehow he's saying, you know, you cannot go ahead and try to force God's hand that way and that could lead to something terrible. Um, also, you know, one can imagine that the name Hashem Shemayim Yitzchalala Yadecha is not just about the Eliyahu point, but about the, about the, you know, forget Eliyahu. Right now, you're saying, God, you better do this. If it doesn't happen, what's going to be the larger religious impact on the people? You know, you could say it means that maybe you know you'll be discredited but it doesn't always work that way people could still believe that like you have the power and like if you know basically it feels like you know and it leads to like a sense that uh, what God isn't able to do this or you know it could lead to it could lead to very bad impact on how people perceive not only you but how people perceive God if you try to make a public display of finding God's hand um, what mindset right exactly you know, you know, so people what think that there's a, such, such terrible sinners, right? Although that's not exactly the mitzvah shem shemayim, but it is another consequence. So I think that that's part of the issue here. Like, what's the larger impact of, of these types of things? Um, what can I do for you that you sort of uh, like you know uh, um, uh, misbehave before God? And God goes ahead and uh, does your will. 
like a child who's you know constantly like is uh, misbehaves in front of his father. And the father indulges him. And the, and the son says, "Abba, daddy, holy go take me bring, to you know to bathe me. The chamim in hot water, but you know now 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 rinse me off with cold water. I learned this toy and that toy and this candy bar. The no saying low, and he gives him. He indulges him. God indulges your misbehavior." Or you're overly demanding, you know, of God. And regarding you, the verse says, your, your, your mother and father will rejoice over you. Interesting introducing the idea of mother here in the context of God. Like, well, well, you know, but okay, I mean, not just mother the feminine, but father and mother. Anyway, so God indulges you. Okay. So, Tadu Rabbanan, so a rabbi thought, I'll read, finish reading the story, and then say a few more points about it. Obviously, there's a lot to unpack here. So, so Shimon ben Shetach basically had a complaint. He says, you know, God tolerates you, but I'm not happy with the way you acted. But the Lishkas Hagazis, who are, you know, the rabbis sitting in the, uh, in the Sanhedrin, here's where they send what seems to be a much more positive, um, unequivocal, positive message. Positive message. Here's what they sent. You decree, you know, a statement and God establishes it for you. You know, that's the idea of Tzadik, go there, but Kadosh Baruch You know, that you see those words. Uh, and on your pathway, light has shone. You say below, God does what you want above. By your path, light has shone. A generation that was dark, you have brought light in your prayers. Um, because they have become lowly and you have sort of given them haughtiness or, or what, brought, lifted them up. The generation that was lowly, you lifted up in your prayers. So, um, um, and the, again, the lowly eyes, you will get, you will bring salvation. The, 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 the nation, that, the, the generation that was brought down in its iniquity, you have brought salvation in your prayers. You will save the one who is unclean. The generation that was not clean um, because of its sins, you saved in your prayers. Prayers. You have also like saved through in the cleanliness of your hands. You saved it through your acts of your hands, which were clear. Okay, so basically, thank you very much. We were in a great tragedy, and you saved us. So first of all, that's fascinating, right? That there are those that just give him an unequivocal thank you, and when Shimon ben Shetach is basically complaining. Okay, the other though interesting thing is is that, you know, uh, well, you know, I'm going to just, let me just read one more thing and then I'll just make a few comments about that. Okay. Uh, no, actually, that is the end of that Chonia Magel story and then we're going to get to another one. So I'm just going to say a few very brief things, you know, because I tried to do some research about what interesting things people had to say about Chonia Magel. So first of all, one thing to know is already Chonia Magel is mentioned in Josephus um, and he re- re- references the fact that this person had great power in his prayer and the people once prayed to him and it brought down rain and then he brings it into a whole story about the warring factions of the Beit Hashmonai that they tried to draw him in one side to curse the other side and he refused and they basically killed him. So anyway, 
Anyway, it's interesting though that there's already stories about that in, in Josephus. Um, the issue about Ag Uga and was this some type of profar- magical thing and his name Me'agel related to the Ag Uga. So people have shown that um, in some Midrashim they talk about um, Ag Uga by others like Moshe said to have drawn a circle and say to God, God, I'm not going to move out of the circle unless you heal Miriam. You know, so that's this type of an idea. Now maybe it was borrowed from Chonia Me'agel but it's a type of thing that they see other people doing and even in our Gemara it mentions right? Chabakuk did it. So it's sort of trying to seems to be what it's trying to do is just sort of saying this is a way of sort of making a very forceful prayer to God trying to de you know De, not just demystify, I don't know if this word, demagify it, you know, it's not magic, like Habakkuk did it, and another story, Moshe did it, it's a way of just saying, God, I'm going to stand here till, you know, till it gets done. You know, because that's part of the problem, because people ask, what was this between him and Shimon ben Shetach? What was Shimon ben Shetach's larger problem? Was it just like, you know, it says like, you know, you talk disrespectfully to God, was it the point I was trying to make, that making these types of binding God's hands, well, what will be the consequence if God doesn't listen to it? What's the larger religious impact on the people? You can't make it look like we as human beings can control God but it could also be pointed out that Shimon ben Shetach had a particular campaign to wipe out uh, witchcraft and there's a story that he like you know executed 80 witches in one day there's stories about Shimon ben Shetach so maybe there's a little bit of a concern here as well about like does this seem to be a little type of a magic witchcrafty type of a thing with the circle and the trying to because that's what witchcraft does right it sort of tries to force nature as opposed to prayer prayer you say God please and then God as it were decides whether to respond whereas magic and witchcraft is trying to like force you know nature to do as because you've done the ritual and that's exactly the shift that Choni does first he tries to force God and then he moves to the Yihiratzon Milfanecha which is like the classic prayer so there are people that are concerned like maybe part of the issues going on here was like you know witchcraft type of concerns and maybe that was Shimon ben Shetach maybe that's why the Gemara is making a point of framing it that that wasn't like what it was about like it was like Chabakuk and so on anyway but that's one possible theme in terms of the word like people assume it means like an ego, a circle, but others have, scholars have, have pointed out that they're actually the Mishnayot refer to a device that's used for plastering roofs called a me'agel. So I actually think that he was like a roof plasterer, <laughs> which might mean why he was sensitive to the issues of rain. Of course, he wasn't so sensitive. They had to go to him. He didn't go to them. But anyway, it's an interesting discussion of me'agel. But the other thing about the ag uga, people also point out that there are Mishnayot that refer to an uga as a um, as a furrow that you make around a tree that collects the rain into the furrow and slowly the rain se- the water seeps in you know and nurtures the roots so that he's very similar he's the tree in the middle he's making the circle and it's sort of about the need of being sustained by rain so interesting about how some of that some of that uh, but to me the bigger question here as I said is this issue about you know more what's going on and how the rabbis are treating him is he a threat to the rabbis or not you don't overwhelmingly get that sense. Shimon ben Shetach was upset, you know, but then he got the counter push. But again, there's also the interesting question about maybe he's being tamed. You know, maybe in the original story he was more of a threat, but then the way the story is remembered, he's sort of more brought in, you know, to that sort of, to the rabbinic discourse type of a thing. But anyway, um, so that's the uh, story of that. Obviously, if there was more time, um, we could say we could say more about that. But now we're going to go on to another story of Choni Ameagel, and interesting to sort of also see if these two stories are related to one another or not. So let's take a look. Amar Rav Yochanan said Rav Yochanan Kol Yom HaShelosot Tzadik Hayim Mitzvah Mikrazel The whole life of this righteous person he was concerned about the following verse 
When God returned the exile, we were like the, uh, the captivity, we were like dreamers. So that was after 70 years that they were returned. How could they be like dreamers? Does anybody dream for 70 years? So obviously it's not the meaning of the verse, but that's how he interprets it. Okay, Bechelma in a dream. Who, 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 who sleeps for 70 years in a dream? Yomachad. One day he was going on the way. He saw a person planting a carob tree. On the way, how long is it going to take it to grow and to start bringing out fruit? It'll take 70 years. Do you think, is it obviously you'll live 70 years? Why are you bothering with this? He said to him, When me, this man, meaning me, when I was born, I found carob trees in the world. The same way my, you know, forefathers, you know, the previous generations, my fathers, those that preceded me, planted trees that now I benefit from. I'm also going to plant a tree that my children will benefit from. Okay, very lovely answer. So Choni went down and he wrapped bread. Meaning he broke bread, he had a meal, and he fell asleep, he took a little nap. Nim, he slept. Mishunisa. So then a like the a rock cropping like you know came up around him. Um and he was hidden from from view. The Nim and he slept for seventy years. When he woke up, he saw that a person was picking the fruit off of this carob tree that had, uh, last he knew had just been planted. Are you the one who planted the tree? No, I'm his grandson. He says, oh, look, it happened. I slept for 70 years. He saw that his donkey had given birth to like second and third generations. How was the donkey surviving during that time? Maybe, I don't know. There was grass. He was eating off the tree. No, that would only have been later. Anyway. Also, okay, so anyway, look, there was already, you saw two more generations. Same thing. This man had two, was his grandson. The donkey had grandchildren. He slept through two generations. He went to his house. Amaluhu, he said to them, Is Choni Amagel's son alive? Amulei Breilesa, his son is no longer alive. Barbre Isa, his grandson is alive. Amaluhu, Ana Choni Amagel, he said to the people by the, in the house, I am Choni Amagel. Lo, he knew, they didn't believe him. Azaladesa Medrash, so, okay, they don't, you don't like it at home, you go to work. So they, <laughs> they didn't believe it, and they, they didn't believe him at home, he went to the base Medrash. Kokushe Dahabilu Rabbanan, any difficulty that the rabbis had having the farik lehu he would answer it amr lehu they um um uh, where are I? No, did I listen? No, uh, no, I skipped a lot. Other uh, than doing some rabban, and he heard the rabbi say to come in, hearing shmaitetin kibishnei choni ameagel. The the our the, the learning we're doing now, it's so like it's it, it it's so clear, it's so light, like it was when we would learn at the time of choni ameagel. The chiyavi ayel lebeis hamedrash, because whenever choni ameagel would come to the base medrash, kokushet to have the rabban, and any problem the rabbis would have, the barak would answer them, and now everything is so clear. It wasn't clear he was right now contributing to it or just his very presence sort of you know brought that into the base madrash so Amalu he said to them new, I am Choni Amagel she, they said yeah right <laughs> well, he knew, they didn't believe him so, they didn't give him the honor he desired he, he, he demanded or he deserved excuse me he grew despondent he prayed and he died he prayed to die and he died 
I'm a Rava, says Rava, that's what people say, either, you know, company, either uh, um, uh, French, not friendship, um, um, companionship, or death. So he had nobody he could talk to, nobody believed him, he was uh, completely alone, so he would he chose death. You know, often that's used about the importance of having a chavrusa and learning, but that doesn't seem to be the point here. Now, what's the point of this story? Um, so, I, one of the possible points here is, you know, that, um, that, um, um, that Choni here, I mean, one thing that you see is that even his, again, the power of his uh, words, right? He just, like, said, you know, you could have said it was like a Yonah story, like Yonah was sort of complaining to God, and God sort of shows him the whole, you know, thing with the gourd and tries to teach him a lesson, you know? But there's also some idea about, like, you know, I think, you know, he says things and that they happen, right? He says this thing about 70 years, and he sleeps for 70 years, you know? It didn't sort of say God was doing it to him or whatever, you know? And it says that, like, he prayed to die, and he died. So, again, it sort of goes to the power of the words and maybe if you're so powerful you have to be a little bit careful like about what you're saying um, you know the other thing I think that's interesting is, is that it obviously tames Choney you know it also it almost like makes him irrelevant you know like if you ask somebody oh yeah there was a story about this weird guy he slept for 70 years like the end of the story is, is that he becomes completely irrelevant you know he sleeps for 70 years and he becomes completely irrelevant and you know again it might be one of the ways that the rabbis are sort of like you know the end of his life wasn't a life of great honor the end of his life was completely forgotten you know, he just disappeared from the scene. Um, and again, you know, maybe that's a way of dealing with somebody that had all this sort of charismatic power. And again, it's interesting that the Gemara emphasizes that when he prayed, it was because they didn't give him the honor that he deserved. Right? Rabbi Yochanan recasted it as saying, like, he didn't have companionship. But he only prayed after, like, the base medrash. Now, that was the base medrash plus the house, you know. But to me, it's like the, big, the bigger impact is that your family doesn't recognize you, right? So he had sort of emphasized that, you know. And it also sort of brings him in, in an interesting way, into the whole rabbinic discipline course. Like, you didn't normally imagine that Choni would ever go into a base medrash, and here you found that, oh yeah, when Choni would come into the base medrash. So, I think these are, like, you know, interesting different ways here of a little bit, you know, uh, toning down his power, you know, um, and, um, you know, and the one sort of bringing him in, like, he's not this, he's not this threat to the rabbis. He would walk into the base medrash or whatever, but he's also this, also like this, uh, a tragedy, you know, if you feel Bachoni was such a tragedy, you know, then he loses his, you know, his, you know, the power, I think, of the previous story. But, uh, you know, I don't really, other, you know, other, it's, it's uh, um, I think the other point of it, though, that's going to come up is the idea of the planting of the tree for the grandchildren and what are you leaving for future generations? Because um, the next few stories are going to be stories about Bachoni's children. Right? And the other issue that comes with somebody that has this type of charismatic power is, well, what good does that do for the next generation? What are you planting for the next generation? It's all very good for you. What are you leaving for the next generation? And I think that's part of, you know, the issue with Choni. And, yes. and he was a tragedy because he needed the recognition and adulation. That was, that was the tragedy. Right, right. He was still respected as Tom McLaughlin in the base measure. She just wasn't Choni. Uh, right. Um, although, again, it's not clear that he was even respected yet. He came into the base medrash and things all of a sudden lit up, you know, it, it was, uh, all of a sudden the things were working out in the base medrash. Like, it wasn't even clear that he was directly participating in the discourse. Right? It says he went into the base medrash and they said, that's that he used to, when in the past he used to come in and answer all the questions. It didn't say that see, he was right now doing that. He says when he went to, but you know, it could be. It's a reasonable conclusion. But yes, I agree. I think that the point, again, is that he needed his status. 
right? And here it is. That, and I think that's the point. He needed his status. And in the end, the story of the tree is, I think, the question of, it's not sort of about what you're doing right now. It's sort of what are you planting, you know, to leave to the world behind in future generations and not about the status that you have. And here, look, people of great status, they get forgotten, you know, they, you know, they pass from the world and life goes on. You know, yeah. Um, how do you understand the verse from the Hillel and says in the past, I mean, it's a holy, we were like dreamers. My ventures, those are always translated as we will be like them. We will be like them. Oh, well, oh, well, when so God returns, we, because it was, you know, because it was written, I mean, it, 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 the question is when you think it was written. It was written after because if you think that film was written by David or finalized by David, then it couldn't have been written when they oh, were returned. So oh. when we, anyway, it's like it's prophetic. Yeah. Um, okay. But anyway, it, 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 it's a question about whether it's prophetic or whether it's in the past. Okay. No, I guess it could be, but I think in, in, it seems to more simply be referring to because that's why the seventy years for coming back in time yeah. is like a bit mixed up. Um, okay. So two ve- two two very powerful stories. Now we continue. Um, where are we? Um, okay, Abba Chalakia So now we have by gift two generations grandchildren. So now we're going to get to see what were the seeds that Choni planted, and what were his what did how did his grandchildren turn out? Okay, so he was Choni Amagel's grandchild. Um, when the people needed rain, they sent to him, and he prayed to God. Now the phrase is just a conventional prayer, right? No magic, nothing special. We learned, but you know, fine. So he prayed to God. Mitra, and it rained. Okay. So again, seems to have some of the power of his father, but none of the none of the drama. Okay. <laughs> so once the world needed rain. Uh, so they sent a pair of rabbis to him in order to ask for rain the uh, rain should come they went to his house they didn't find him they went out to the field they found him that he was hoeing they greeted him he didn't respond to them um, um, the Panya in the evening, he having menake tzivi um, when he was bringing home like chips of wood. Darat tzivi umara bechada katzva. He carried the wood chips and the um, uh, the uh, hoe on one shoulder. The glima bechada katzva and the cloak on another shoulder. Kula orchalosi masani. The whole way he didn't have his shoes on. Kimato lemaya when he got to the water, see masani. He put on his shoes like we would normally do the opposite, right? Take off our shoes for the water, put them on for the road. When he came to th- uh, thorns and thistles, he stripped his clothes. When he came to the city, his wife came to greet him. When she was all dressed up with makeup and uh, jewelry, when he came home, first his wife walked in the door, and then he walked in, and then the rabbis followed him. Yosef Bukarachwif, he sat down and he broke bread. to Karuchu, and he didn't say to the rabbis, come join me for bread. So everything he's doing he seems completely bizarre. Paula Grifta, he broke the bread. Leonuke for his children. To the older child, he gave one, one, one slice, and to the younger child, too, which is bizarre. You would think the opposite. The older one's bigger. And then he said to his wife, presumably uh, in, in an aside, in an undertone, I know these rabbis have came because they, they, they need rain. Um, um, let's go up to the roof and pray to God 
Maybe God will be desirous of our prayers. The Yesi Mitra and he'll bring rain. The and therefore we won't have to take credit for it. They won't know. We'll go. Let's go in private quickly and pray, and maybe God will listen. And then it won't even be due to us. It'll just rain, and they won't realize because we had prayed. Sakul the Igwa. They went up to the roof. Kam zavisa. He stood in one corner. The Ibechada zavisa, and she in another corner. This evokes the same image, you know, of the rabbis have on the interpretation of, of Yitzchak, right? Um, which is Yitzchak that his wife was in one corner and he was in the other corner. The end of that story is Vayeaser Lo Hashem. God responded to him. Let's see who God responds to here. Okay, um, um, you know, uh, where are we? Uh, um, so, I'm going to where we? Okay. And the clouds first lifted up from his wife's corner, which somehow was a symbol that his wife's prayers were accepted. When he came down, he said to them, What brought you here? We were sent by the rabbis to ask you for rain. And apparently it had already started raining because they had just snuck up to the roof and prayed. He said to them, Praise God, you didn't need my, the services of Abba Chalakia. Look, it's already raining. So Amrulay, they said to him, Yeah, that's not going to fly. <laughs> we know that it was because of you. What do you think? We, we, you know, we figured out what you were doing up there on the roof. Ella, we saw, we'll see, maybe they even saw what happened. Tell us the things that we're astounded by. Why, when we greeted you, did you not return our greeting? I was a, a day laborer, hired by the day. And I thought that I would, would not be fair to, for me to, uh, to uh, take off from my work. It's not fair to the person who paid me just to say hello to you back. My time at Darmar Why do you have you know your the wood on one shoulder and your cloak on another shoulder when you walked home? I'm a little because I borrowed the cloak. I borrowed it for wearing. I didn't borrow it for presumably either means for wearing home or I didn't borrow it to maybe wrap up. Maybe they were saying why don't you wrap up the wood in the talus to protect you know? So that's not what I borrowed it for. Why did you not wear shoes except when you came to water? Because all the way as I'm walking, I can look down and see if I, that I won't be stepping on a snake or a scorpion. And I'll, and I'll, I won't see in the water, so I have to protect my feet. Of course, it doesn't explain why you didn't put it down on the road. The fact that he's not, notice he's a day laborer, he's borrowing a palace. So presumably he's exceptionally poor. So you know he doesn't want to wear out his shoes. Seems to be the point. My time, Why, when you came to the thorns and thistles, did you lift up your cloak? Because my uh, my my skin, if it gets torn, will heal itself. The clothes, if they get torn, won't heal themselves. So again, clearly, I mean, it's actually not a bad point, which you do sometimes. <laughs> People do that, you know. You're getting to a place, you, you, you roll up your sleeves, you don't want them to get torn. But also, again, sort of shows how, how poor he was. Why, when you came to the uh, city out, outskirts of the village, did your wife come all dressed up? Because so I should not go ahead and, uh, you know, be looking at other women as I'm walking into the city to the house. So they obviously had some good communication between them. That you know, it wasn't something that he, he that 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 she was crocheted him about that he didn't tell her. Like they, you know, that's actually that itself is like very interesting that that was an arrangement that they had. That so they were obviously on the same wavelength. 
My time a Aile Hubereshav, Hubereshav, Hadar Aile Mara Basrav, Hadar Aile and Anan. Why did she go first and then you and then us? I'm a little bit a little because I don't know your character. You know, I don't want you walking behind my wife. I, I don't know your character. My time a Kikarach Mar Rifta Loarmala and Asukrihu. Why did you not invite us to join you with bread? She says Mishum Dulo Nufishi Rifta again, indicating how poor he was. There's not a lot of bread. Vamina Lo Achzik Behu Barabban Tivusa Bechinam. I don't want you to be grateful to me for nothing that I offered you bread and then I offered you to join me and then I and then there wasn't enough to give but you'll be thankful that I offered better not to offer if I don't have what to give my time why do you give your older son one and your younger son two I'm a little high kai so the older one is at home the high yasi so the other one goes to show he's out of the house the whole day so he needs more for the whole day why did your wife's the clouds go up first from your wife's corner before yours why was she answered because my wife is in the house all the time and she gives bread to the ani so, and she, which is something he benefits from immediately her merit is greater than mine and I just give money and it's not so immediate to benefit and therefore her merit is greater or okay or how about the, the, another version is that there were these evil people in our neighborhood or powerful people I pray that they should die and she prays that they should be and they were now obviously that's a great story a lot to say we're already over but I, the one point they do want to make is notice the way he's different than his father first of all grandfather, grandfather. first of all his wife is answered he's, besides that he doesn't use magic his wife is answered he's not the one that's answered that's a big one he goes up with his wife he doesn't think it's all about him right? he asks his wife to come up with him and um, he, um, he specifically does not want credit he wants to do it in a way that it's not about him and that it's not and yet he doesn't want any credit okay and he's also somebody that is you know again a very like in a very humble situation um, in life and very sensitive to like the, the reason you know that, that the reason what, what you have to focus on is, you know, it's sort of like it's more of a type of a, you know, of a rabbinic type of a concern, you know, that every, all the details of the way you act are being done appropriately. You're not taking, you know, you know, you're not borrowing a talus, you know, if you didn't ask permission to borrow it, you're not stealing the, uh, you know, the labor that, you, you know, that you're being paid for and so on. And that the reason that somebody is answered is because of their good deeds, not because of some charismatic power, some special, inexplicable power. Right? The reason his wife is answered is because of you know of, uh, because of the way she, that she acts so it's really taking the grandson of Konya Magel and putting him into a sort of a classic type of a you know system that the rabbis recognize and what I would sort of say in terms of that in the previous story is and that's also what can be passed down to future generations you know that's sort of the problem about a charismatic leader he has to be institutionalized because you can't follow in the model of somebody that has this unique power that it's not something that can be transferred so there was the story of the character tree and you know what gets left over two generations over you know after your original actions so what can be and what was transferred is a type of way of being righteous and praying to God you know that is not based on that charismatic power so that's what ultimately was the enduring legacy is the way it got transferred to his grandchildren and we'll see tomorrow um, another story of a great